Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'm Reed at Pac-10 Reed, and joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Hello. Greg at Bananamorphs. Hello. Angry Boy Matt at No Pit Stops. No, you don't get to do that shit, too. (laughs) Stop it. Had to give it a shot. And for the last time ever, read at Pac-10 Read. Yes. This is all of <laughs> so our dumb. last time ever recapping a regular season slate of Pac-12 football. Sad, I know, <sighs> but don't worry. We will still have Pac-12 championship coverage, a full back basketball season ahead of us on Wednesday at 5 p.m. We'll be back on YouTube to recap the entire week's worth of Pac-12 basketball games. And that episode will drop on your feet on your podcast feeds Thursday morning. Shout out to you, Pac-12 sickos, joining us live on YouTube. Like the video, send us in your comments and thoughts, and subscribe to the channel. Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow us. Uh, let us know your favorite Pac-12 memory uh, from our now dead conference in a five-star review <laughs> on Apple and Spotify. <laughs> And last thing, we do still have bonus content over on Patreon at NoTruckStops.com for just $5. We will be doing a longer preview of the Pac-12 title game over there, uh, plus some more bonus basketball coverage, bowl game previews, and much, much more over on NoTruckStops.com for just $5. Now let's move on to talk some Pac-12 football, starting with the Platy on Friday night. Greg, take us away. All right. In the final platy of the Pac-12 era, Oregon beat Oregon State at Autzen Stadium 31-7 to in a game where Oregon's receivers were incredible. Uh, Tez Johnson had 11 catches for 137 yards, and Troy Franklin had 9 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. On the flip side, Oregon State did not have a fun day offensively as Damian Martinez had his worst game of the season, rushing for just 38 yards and no touchdowns on 13 carries. And DJU went 19 for 35 for uh, 220 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Before we get to the Oregon State side, uh, let's give some quick thoughts on Oregon. Reed, what were your takeaways as, of course, an Oregon honk? Yeah, I got to say, I was a bit confused by this result because Carlos told me all season we had a preseason bet that Oregon State had a better defense than Oregon. He told me Oregon State's offensive line was in a much superior tier to Oregon's offensive line. He told me DJU was a better quarterback than Bo Nix. And he told me Damian Martinez was a much better running back than Bucky Irving. So I, I don't really get how it all added up to this win for Oregon, um, given that... Hey, how did Bucky Irving do in this game? He did fine. You know, I mean... <laughs> he it, had 41 it, yards. He didn't, he didn't need to do much because of how good the receivers <laughs> okay. were doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this was more the same for Oregon. I know there obviously were some factors on the other side for Oregon State that I think uh made this you know a less competitive game than it could have been um but that said i think oregon showed up i think especially along the defensive lines brandon doorless jordan birch had an awesome game going head on head with talise fuaga who's a potential first round tackle for oregon state um yeah i was impressed by what oregon did another win in the books uh and i guess we'll see you know what happens going forward I don't know. Avery, what do you think of this performance for the Ducks? 
Yeah, this is by far Oregon's most impressive win of the season. Like, I don't have much to say other than this was a really good win. I was impressed. I get that they're the Friday night home team, but Oregon State is probably their hardest opponent other than Washington they played this year. And I think, like, looking down at their schedule and seeing that they might have had a cupcake schedule it was really nice for them to get like a very dominant win here and I don't have much to say I can't hate on it Bonix had a really good game he he threw a lot of like eight yard passes that was really good um I was impressed with Oregon I it made me sad about Oregon State but like there's not much other to say than Oregon controlled this game they're clearly the better team and they're good they're really good Matt how about you yeah, I um I just really want to talk to all the UW fans that talked to me last week about how uh, UW's defense was clearly great because they held Damian Martinez to five yards per carry. Um, feels like a, a good time to bring up that conversation. Um, otherwise, there, there's really not much to talk about. Oregon is the class of this conference, and Oregon State got beat. There's obviously a lot of other things to talk about around this game that are far more important than what happened on the field. Greg, do you have any any other more interesting new revelations to add about this one for Oregon? Uh, just before we get on to the Oregon State half, which I think is a lot more interesting, uh, I was not able to watch the first half of this game because I was helping my boyfriend's grandparents hang Christmas decorations. But uh, Oregon's defense, just every week Oregon makes me sure that they're the best team in the conference. Every week I grow more sure they just – dominate teams that Washington struggled with and I get that that those two teams played already and Washington won but every week I forget about that game a little bit more and I became I become more sure that the next time they play Oregon's going to win comfortably uh that's all I really have to say it was not a super entertaining game from what I saw yeah I think that's fair the more interesting side of this uh is Oregon State if that's everything we have on Oregon Uh, obviously you know, there's the fact that this was just a tough rivalry loss, a game that they had had circled all season. But I think it obviously became much more of a gut punch with the aftermath and the departure of Jonathan Smith that broke on Saturday morning. But there was already rumblings leading up to the game, during the game, directly after the game. He said no decisions were made. Uh, I think it's somewhat clear that he knew where he was going, uh, given that... Oh, he was yeah. lying through his teeth. Oh, my God. It was so obvious, too. <laughs> Just 12 hours later, uh, the announcement was official from a Michigan State Twitter account. So... Hey, uh, these things come together quick. Yeah. All right? Come on, you guys. <laughs> come on. Overnight. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I know well. Uh, Avery, <laughs> Avery, as our resident beeve, how are you feeling this morning? I mean, it hurts. It hurts a lot, but I, I feel like anyone that is somewhat rational should have seen the writing on the wall like this is very clear that this is going to happen after what's been going on with the Pac-12 and it basically falling apart like Jonathan Smith is a good coach and he was gonna have these P4 I'm gonna throw up offers and like right now it's more stable to go to a school like Michigan State than to stay at Oregon State and I think being angry at him out of like a loyalty thing is stupid because like this is their job. They care about money. It doesn't matter if he's an alumni of your school. That being said, I think it's valid to hate anyone for any reason. So I'm going to hate Jonathan Smith because I don't like Michigan State. And that is a good enough reason for me. So if you're an Oregon State fan that is like really pissed off about this, that's go ahead. Honestly, just don't be shocked. I think that's the issue is like 
don't be surprised that this is happening. Yeah, Matt, what about you? Are are you mad at Jonathan Smith for taking this job? Um, not in the slightest. Uh, I was I was born and raised in G five fandom. Um, it's been very interesting to see <laughs> so some sad. of you learn about G five fandom in real time. Um, yeah, this is how it goes. This is uh, this is the game. Um, I I think that it is especially painful from a uh, from an Oregon State fan to see it be Michigan State. Um, I think that we especially view Michigan State in a very different light than Michigan State views Michigan State. Um, and I don't think that we're the, I, I definitely don't think that we're the wrong ones on that, but you know, especially like as a Utah fan, like urban left for Florida, uh, you know, being in a situation where your coach leaves for what is at best, the fifth or sixth best, like highest ceiling in the big 10, um, is, is tough is, is very, very difficult. And I do think that there's a lot of conversations that I've seen around, why didn't he wait for a higher job or a bigger job? And I think that that is what is far more damning about the Oregon State situation currently than the the idea of, you know, of Michigan State being a step up. It, it, I think that it was fairly a lateral move as far as what today is. But I think this time next year, we will look at that and say that Jonathan Smith made a very good business decision, yeah. which sucks, which really fucking sucks. I think what worries me about it, too, is – you know, Jonathan Smith obviously played at Oregon State. He's been there for, what, seven years now. So if he's yeah. making that judgment about Oregon State and the resources they have and how able they're going to be able to compete at the next level, if he can't overcome those issues, what does that say about the coach, you know, who's a really good coach, but he's from Alabama and doesn't know that much about the tradition of Oregon State and doesn't have investment in it? that person is certainly not going to be any more likely you'd think to make the leap to trust in Oregon state to invest in them than Jonathan Smith was. Um, and so it, it leaves some questions here. Certainly. I think one thing that a narrative I heard come out of this that, um, I guess is fair. I, I align with what Avery said that I think Oregon state fans can be as mad as they want. Like they have every right to be mad. Um, oh hell yeah. And, and there's no, yeah, there's no caveating that, but, they did, you know, talk about like, oh, the last week was really bad. Um, there are some things internally that that weren't handled the right way, uh, and I think it's just worth noting that like that that has been the reality of every single coach who has left a program since uh, the early signing period was instituted. Every coach, it's been the last week of the regular season. Usually, you're playing a rival. Maybe you're in the thick of a playoff hunt because you're probably a pretty good team if you're, or you know, a conference title hunt or whatever, because you're probably a pretty good team if your coach is getting poached. Um, and that last week, the pressure is put on. There's a month till early signing period. Boosters at the other school get antsy. They say, you know, either take it this weekend or not. And before your last game, there is a reality in which, you know, I'm sure Jonathan Smith sitting there on whatever it was, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday morning was like, okay, I'm really going to do this. And as soon as you make that decision, uh, it's a really hard gig because you, you know, you have to assemble a staff. You have to start recruiting. It's a, and it's going to leak. It's a, it's going to leak. And it's a race to December 20th for the early signing day. That is like the determination of whether you're starting at year zero or a real year one. So, um, it's shitty. It's super fucking shitty what Jonathan Smith did and what every coach has done. 
Um, but at the same time, I would, I would just say, I don't know, hopefully maybe, uh, as time passes, people can appreciate some of the Jonathan Smith era in Corvallis. Um, Greg, do you have any takeaways from this? Yeah. I don't think that Jonathan Smith to Michigan state is going to be a great fit. I think Michigan state fans are going to find themselves pretty frustrated with him in a year because I th- like I mean just look at how long Oregon State took to build for him and I get it very different situations Oregon State is much worse in a much worse position after Gary Anderson than Michigan State will be post Mel Tucker uh but at the same time Oregon State fans were going to be so much more patient with Jonathan Smith than Michigan State fans will be and at the same time I can't blame him for taking the job because look at what's happened with Mac Campbell at a similar program with Iowa State. He is their best coach ever, unquestionably. And he waited a little too long, and suddenly his name got taken out of the running for all of these great jobs. You know, it used to be every time a good job like UW, even Texas, opened up, Matt Campbell would be one of the, the chief names that, were, that people would bring up, and that stopped. People don't bring him up for those kinds of jobs anymore. Jonathan Smith, I think, was going to be in a very similar situation, except possibly even worse, because even if he sustained this year's success uh, going forward, because of the position of Oregon State, he was going to go from being a coach who made a bottom-tier uh, Power 5 job into a upper-tier Power 5 program. He, he goes from that level of coach to a coach that is leading a good G5 program. And the level of job you can get from that is just not as good. So I think he made the right decision to jump ship now as much as it hurts. Like, I would have loved for him to stay there because of the connections that he has to the program. Uh, it, it sucks so much that of all the guys, like, not only did they lose a great coach, but they lost, like, a native son. They lost their greatest ever quarterback, too. And that yeah. is so sad. But... I get why he did it. I think he was right to do it. It just is such a shitty situation. I wonder if we'll talk about uh, maybe another fan base that maybe thinks that they lost their their native son in this situation. I wonder if that'll come up later. UCLA (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) UCLA fucked up so bad. UCLA did all that to lose to Cal. Spoilers. (laughs) To send Cal to a bowl game. Spoilers. Spoilers. No, we need to talk about it because like UCLA... (laughs) Beats USC. That's their fuck, Super fuck Bowl. The Apple Cup. Let's go. <laughs> this is segment. Two. No, I just, I just am sick. I'm just sick to my stomach because, like, I want it. I want Jonathan Smith to stay at Oregon State. I love fairy tales. Fairy tales don't exist in capitalism, so whatever. But like, at at the very least, Jonathan S- Smith at UCLA, I could have, I could have rocked with that. I could have been happy with that. He's from Pasadena. I don't hate UCLA the way I hate teams from the midwest like i would have been fine but they just had they just had to roll with chip after beating usc it's ridiculous okay well i of, of all the people on this zoom on this on this stream yard on this call i, I expected greg to know better I, I i think that this is actually a fantastic really? fit for jonathan smith I, I don't think having to go to East Lansing is a good fit for well, anybody. No, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to have a great time with it, but like, <laughs> it, I, I, I think that this is an amazing fit. I think that Michigan State is, is really poised to be, it, 
we we have to do this analogy every single time. I, I really think they're poised to be like the Utah. If they of, give him time, I agree. If the they give him time. time, I agree. I just don't know if they'll Greg, give him time. What do you think the Mark D'Antonio Mark era D'Antonio was? Mark D'Antonio went they to the playoffs. They are going to be plenty patient. <laughs> I, after this? so much frustration, they're going to be Mark plenty D'Antonio patient. Mark D'Antonio didn't have a billionaire I, I, paying I really his contract. I really think the fit is good. Like, things are different. I think that, that the Carlo- fit is genuinely really good. That Carlos tweet where he just compares every Big Ten team to Utah is so evergreen <laughs> on this fucking podcast. All right, let let's go back to Oregon State though for a second, right? I mean, why for what? Well, I um, Here, here's what happened in Oregon what's, State. What's gonna happen? DJU threw the ball 35 times. So that dumb. was too many. So it was dumb. too many by halfway through the second quarter. We should have put a stop to it then. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> like, why are you passing so much? Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, they couldn't really sustain a run game in this game. Um, they, that certainly was hasn't been true to this degree all year. Um, but in terms of the job and the status of the Oregon State program, retrospective on what this 8-4 season was, um, I mean, where does anyone have a candidate? Any where you think Oregon State goes from here? I feel like fans inside Some have said Trent Some random coordinator? Bray. Yeah, Trent Bray there, D.C. Je- Jeff Tedford. <laughs> sure, man. Kyle What's him? Mike Riley doing? I think Trent Bray is probably <laughs> most likely. That that's that was the first name that came to yeah, mind for I, me. Like, I feel like you got a hire from within because of the financial uncertainty going forward. Paying a yeah. coach's buyout is going to suck. Uh, so if you're, if you're not hiring within, you got to hire a coordinator. And Trent mm-hmm. Bray's done a great job there, you know? Uh, he was part of those great teams, and I feel like this is what teams always do when their coach gets poached like this, and they've been successful. They hire from within. Uh, I bet Ben Arbuckle's price tag has gone down a lot since the seven-game losing streak. I would not streak. hire Ben Arbuckle as a head coach <laughs> at a P5 right now. Or, I guess, Oregon State won't be a P5. But... P5. <laughs> oh, God. So awful. Jesus. This makes me, this makes me so sad. I, I think you do need to stay in house, yeah. honestly, with the change that is that is incoming and all the uncertainty around the program. Yeah, figure out what exactly you are and try to hold on to as much of the Pac twelve as you can, and that definitely means staying in house and staying as insular as possible. That's how you keep your fan base bought in too. Mm-hmm. You can sell mm-hmm. being like, This is you know, Jonathan Smith's gone, but we got the same next man up. We still have the same crew here. Uh We'll see. Oh, it's Aiden Childs is definitely gone too, man. Ugh. Yeah, but I mean that's how you keep your players too. Mm-hmm. You might not keep all of them, but an in-house coach is going to be more likely to that's retain true. those guys. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree. I like Trent Bray. I'm listening to what the fan base is saying, and that seems like the preferred guy for a lot of them. Um, I don't know. Are there any other thoughts, Avery? Do you have any grand recap to? Uh, the Oregon State Pac-12 era? It, it just is hard because the writing was on the wall and they were out of contention for the conference championship game. So, like, playing in the final week of the season against your rival who's going to kick your ass. It's just a hard way to go out. And it makes me really sad. Yeah, just hugs. Just hugs. This is a genuinely disappointing season for Oregon State this year simply on the field and so to put everything else on top of it that's hugs love you guys <laughs> except for the ones that we don't fuck y'all <laughs> <laughs> yeah go go watch the uh 2022 platy oh. on me um <laughs> 
All right. Now we can move on. Make, I, make 19 straight into 1900 straight. Yeah. <laughs> I I heard uh, apparently Washington survived another close game. Matt, you have more to tell us about that? Um, They they can't keep getting away with this, right? Like, I'm so sick of this shit. I'm so sick of this shit. <laughs> I think they can. Once They've again, 12 times. Once again, I pick an upset correctly, <laughs> and the other team doesn't fucking come through. I'm so sick and tired of this shit. Utah becomes the first team to go undefeated in Pac-12 play because, of course, uh, they beat Wazoo 24-21. to Cam Ward was extremely Cam Ward going 32-47 of for 319 and three touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions and four sacks. Um, ultimately, the story from the game is Roma Dunze stole Michael Penix Jr.'s Heisman moment, had seven catch- catches on 12 targets for 120 yards and two touchdowns while the rest of what I'm told are number one wide receivers at every other team in the nation. Um and the much better wide receivers, they disappeared. So Rome's highlights include the game-winning end-around play where everybody is super impressed that Michael Penix correctly read an option read. Um, <laughs> an extremely high-level and novel skill, especially when you're the one that you're not the one that has to run the ball. You get to give it to somebody else. Uh, amazing. Totally Heisman-worthy. Um, so ultimately, UW survived again against a team that they should have ran off the field at home, and wins are what counts. So congratulations. The Huskies will still have to win the conference championship game to make the playoff because this has been the most edging and bullshit disappointing college football season ever. And I'm going to go cry a lot. This sucks. I, I hate this entire <laughs> season and I hate the times that I have been right and am not proven to be wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Greg uh, Washington survived another close one. Uh, I don't know. Did this did this change your opinion on Washington at all? I mean, this felt like the exact same script, and we were talking in the group chat the entire time. Like we all know, no, what's, you don't get to happening. switch your energy. Defend them. You stop it right now. I I will defend them a little bit in that I don't give a shit about what happened in this game. Like I don't think it matters even a little bit. Uh, this is what I expected. We talked about it in the preview read. Uh, when we were going over it, I said, I don't think Washington's going to be up for this game. I don't think they're going to care. I don't think they're going to look good. I think they'll lean on the run. And then when you said Dylan Johnson is questionable, I was like, okay, I'm hammering Washington State then. And Washington State covered. Washington State really should have won, honestly. Uh, But I don't think any different about Washington going into the Oregon game next week. I think they will certainly be up for that one. Uh... I still think they're worse than Oregon, but if they win it, will I be shocked? Not really. Uh, I would be shocked if they got blown out. Uh, I think they're the same team we've seen all year. This just is a game where they weren't up for it. This is They're looking ahead to Oregon again. Yeah, my only question of is this the same team that played Oregon is genuinely like how, how healthy is Michael Penix? Did you guys see the – Bad. Yeah. When they put the coat over him and, right. like, walked him into the locker room. Right. Everyone was like, oh, so cute. He's not watching the final field goal. To me, it kind of looked like he was, like, leaned over a trash can throwing up. And then he had... No, <laughs> apparently he was throwing up all over himself. Oh. Yeah. And then he had, like, a coat over him and, like, a trainer was holding his arm. Um, so, weird shit there. I mean, I know, like, rumors about a rib has been broke, have been floating around. Um and people have been saying he's sick going on like three months now, so I don't know. I don't know if that's still holding over, but he doesn't seem 
like the same guy he was over the first six games of the year. Um, he's missing more throws. I mean, honestly, drops have kind of infected a lot of this receiver mm-hmm. court that isn't Romo Dunze. If he's not on his A game, it's going to be, um, I don't know, it's going to be harder to overcome, obviously. Like, he had to have a really special performance against Oregon on that day. After that day, it was immediately like Michael Penix favorite for the Heisman. And because he's faded away over the last six weeks, I think he's, I mean, he's almost out of that Heisman race. Now he's way down in the odds. Um, and it feels like it's either, it's either Bonix or if, if it's not going to be just playing for the Heisman, I think if Washington wins, there's a good chance that Jane Daniels would get it ahead of Penix. Matt, uh, what do you think of this game for Washington? I I already said like I, I they can't keep getting away with this. I don't think this is a very good team. Adunze is a fucking incredible. Like especially on that last drive, like I I said I was like okay, Roma Adunze Heisman moment coming, and they immediately go to Adunze, get a great play out of it, go away from him, and end up on fourth down, like. It, anything that is not to Adunze right now is not working for this Washington team outside of Johnson sometimes running the ball. Like, it's just, it, he is carrying this team, and I think that we have not talked enough about how amazing he has been all year long. I agree. He, he's a freak. He, I think he should be the Bolitnikov winner, honestly. If you're looking at what he's doing versus, I mean, like, even, I Okay. There's an 18 out there, but, like, Otherwise, I mean, it doesn't like the moments that Odunze has had this year compared to anyone else in college football. It's like Keon Coleman had one game against Florida State. <sighs> Anyways, truck stops, truck stops. Um, Avery, we haven't dude, been talking about Roma Dunze enough because Carlos has been censoring us he when been. he's here to talk about Jalen McMillan because Carlos is still convinced that Jalen McMillan is the best wide receiver on this team. And whenever he we try to talk about it now, he just says, "Well, he's been injured." So. Fuck you, Carlos. Roma Dunze is fantastic. He's he's much fun to watch. I mean, this game was clear but before it even started. We all knew exactly what would happen. It would be closer than everyone thought it would be, and it would be scary for a while, but Washington was going to win by one score because, like, of course they're going to. We have three months of of this, of history, showing exactly what's going to happen in every Washington game. Like, that is their script. They're just going to do just enough to win. And you know what? 12 wins? I'm sold. That's enough for me to say, yeah, they'll probably be Oregon by like the smallest margin imaginable because what else would they do? They've done it for 12 weeks in a row. Like I'm I'm used to it at this point. I I'm really worried about Michael Penix. I hope he's okay. I hope he's not dealing with like long covid or something like that cuz that just sounds fucking horrible. He didn't look great at the end of that game. Um, and I just think it's a shame if we don't get to see Bonix and Michael Penix playing each other at like their full health because that's what we should get. That's what we deserve. That's what I've been waiting for. Yeah, absolutely. Do Greg, Matt, do you agree with that kind of sentiment that like Washington just plays up and down to their opponents that they'll probably be in a close game with Oregon that, hey, if they went into a playoff, they could play. What? <laughs> I don't know about the playoff. Okay. You, you think just applying to Oregon and Pac-12 teams, but against yeah. the next level, maybe not. Yeah. What do you think? I'm Rick? a little more skeptical about it than I have been, mostly because of the health. Because if Michael Penix isn't healthy, I hadn't really considered that. If he's not healthy, I don't think they can play with Oregon. Um, 
they need him to be at his best for that. And if he's at his best, I still think Oregon's better. A reduced version of Michael Penix, I don't think, is enough for them to really keep that competitive down to the final possession with a team as good as Oregon. Um, I hope he is. I really hope he is. I, I want that to be just an absolute classic as the final Pac-12 game ever. But uh, against Oregon, and I think against other playoff teams, because with the way this team is, I mean, this season's going, I think Oregon is pretty representative of the average playoff team that we're going to see this season. I don't think there are any juggernauts in the country that are the level of last year's Georgia team. Everyone has pretty significant weaknesses. I, uh, it's without without a healthy Michael Penix, I don't think UW can play with these teams. With a healthy Michael Penix, I think they can. I don't think they'll win, but I think they can make it a competitive game. Yeah, I think, I mean, Roma Dunze, just like that one thing is as good as anything in the country right mm-hmm. now. Th- Penix throwing him jump balls and Rome making a play on the ball is really hard to stop. Um, yeah, in terms of that rematch and just the Oregon factor, I mean, we'll get to it later. I think that part of it, too, is I think Oregon's gotten a lot better over the last six weeks as well. I think people have talked a lot about Washington kind of playing down to people, but I think similarly of what Washington can do in this game to what they did in the October game, I think Oregon's offense, you know, has been a degree more efficient uh, and they've more consistently converted those third and fourth downs that obviously cost them in the Washington game. We'll see if they can do that Friday. Uh, Matt, any last thoughts on Washington before we move on? Uh, No. Okay, cool. I'm just going to be mean. I don't have anything nice to say. (laughs) Let's move on to Wazoo then. They are now officially 5-7, and seven, no bowl game for the Cougs. They finish 1-7 and seven in their final eight games. And yet, in some ways, I think that, uh, you know, Saturday was a commendable effort from them. They certainly showed up and pushed Washington to the limit. Uh, if it wasn't for a, a roughing the passer call, uh, you know, a few breaks, maybe they find a way to get this. But I, I don't know. Avery, what did you think about this one from the Cougs? Okay, the roughing the passer call was ridiculous. That should not have been a flag. But it was on first down, so, like, I'm not even going to be... I get it if it was a fourth down play or even, like, a third and long. But it it wasn't going to actually impact the game. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, the refs gave it to them. Um, but for those of you that are bitter and like to do that, go for it. I think that's hilarious when people do that. Um, Washington State played well enough. I... It's hard because I just think Washington's defense is so bad that I don't want to be like, look at this incredible effort by Washington State because I just genuinely think they have the second worst defense in the conference, especially considering their talent level. So it's hard for me to be like really excited about what I saw from Washington State. And also just the fact that everything's going to shit and Washington State's program is not in a very good spot for next year. It's like hard for me to talk about them. But I am wearing... Washington State gear, so I guess I should say go Cougs. Long live the Cougs. It, it definitely is a rough spot for them. Um, I mean, one and seven after what was such a promising start uh, to the season. Oh God, it's tough to go back to that four and zero moment. But I mean, that was an epic win over Oregon State. We thought they had everything in front of them, and tough to really figure out what happened. Um, Greg, what are your thoughts on this game, the Cougs season, their future? It's bleak. Uh, would have loved for them to 
get it done in the last one of the Pac-12 era to get them to a bowl game. That would have felt really good. And good job making it close, but no one's going to remember that, you know? Nobody's going to... They'll, re- they'll remember. I mean, they'll remember. <laughs> will they remember it fondly? Like, I don't think they will. I I mean, if, if Washington wins the conference, they will. I don't think so. I think, I think Washington really? State will look back at this game with nothing but bitterness uh, because of the context of Washington leaving the Pac-12, you know? Like... They, there's just no acceptable outcome that isn't winning this game because of the way everything's going to shit after this season. Uh, everything is bad, and it's it's tough to be a Washington State or Oregon State fan. At least you still have your coach, but at the same time, how good is that coach? You know, like it's a it's a different situation to Oregon State. Still not a great one, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I just I feel bad. I feel really bad for Washington State fans. I feel bad that this is happening to that program. They don't deserve it. Matt, you're a positive and cheery guy. Uh, <laughs> come on, turn this thing around for us. Uh, I mean, Cam Ward, I don't think uh, is going anywhere. So, oh, oh, oh he's graduated, <laughs> so he can go somewhere. Yeah, someone uh, has mean, not kept up with Oregon message boards. Let me just say that. Oh God! Oh, that would that would be so bad. <laughs> Cam so Ward to Oregon. <laughs> That'd be fuck. crazy. There's so many better choices. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, if he wants to go to a different G5, I guess I don't. I I don't think that he is. He, he has shown unbelievably clearly to me that like he's just not somebody who is going to beat the upper echelon of defenses and even top half defenses like Washington. So I, I definitely think that he is someone who um, will be extremely effective for Wazoo next year in whatever schedule they end up playing. I think that he should stay. I think that that would be a good idea for him. So I, I think that Washington state is far better set up as far as success next year and the following year, like really leading into can you establish yourself as a G5 power, right? In in whatever Mountain West Pac-12, Pac-2 exists, even if you're independent. I I think that they can really establish themselves as something. I, I really, I mean, I think that the same thing was true of Oregon State. I just, Oregon State's coach is now leaving, so I don't see all those guys staying. Whereas, I, you know, even with Oregon State, like I, it's not like the talent level is the size where everybody needs to leave to greener pastures i just think that they're going to leave because the coach is leaving so i i tough close to the season but i think that washington really proved this year that they're going to beat teams that they're better than they're going to lose the teams that they're not as good as and next year i don't know how many teams are going to play that they're not that they're not better than so i i i would feel good about where washington state is going currently i I really would everything about like the pac-12 stuff really sucks and is galvanizing and everything but I think you're going to get to enjoy a lot of wins and a lot of really fun parties on the blues. Yeah. I think a lot of these results are understandable. The Arizona state and Stanford ones definitely stick out as like Washington state probably is better than those teams um, and should have won those games. But I don't know. I'm curious to see how this all works in a conference where they have, you know, comparable or even superior line talent to the other teams they're playing. You know, if Cam Ward had more time to operate, uh, maybe his tendency to kind of stand in the pocket and make sacks worth worse doesn't bite him as much as it has at times at Wazoo this year. I don't know. I'm excited to see them compete um, in a 
Mountain West-esque conference, I guess. Uh, I think that they can have some success there, too. And hopefully that'll be fun. I don't know. I don't know where, where Kook fans are at on that question, but um, could be fun. Does anyone have any other thoughts on Wazoo? It's just sad. It's just a bummer. And if it were the 1930s and we didn't have cameras, they would have gone undefeated because nobody would have been able to prepare <laughs> for, for that offense. But unfortunately, we're all watching, so it's very easy to scheme against. So true. When no one knew what they were doing, they were 4-0. Um, and and yep. then it all changed because of the damn cameras. I don't know who the inventor yep. was, but uh, curse that person. Fuck them. Uh, all right. Uh, that will wrap up our recap of the Apple Cup. But before we get to rapid fire, you all didn't seriously think we'd leave out the conclusion to Pac-12 Dark, uh, Pac-12 After Dark, um, in the Pac-12's final regular season game. If we game. don't talk about it, it didn't happen. Just don't oh, acknowledge it. We never die. <laughs> in the Pac-12's final regular season game, Cal and UCLA delivered a truly hilarious rivalry matchup. In a game with five combined turnovers, a Jaden kickoff return for a touchdown, the, the Cal Golden Bears cruised to a 33-7 victory despite being outgained by 78 yards. I'm not sure how this happened. It was an insane game. Um, Avery, this sealed your 0-12 season on CalPix. Please tell us why this achievement is worthy of praise. <laughs> we did it. We did it. The only thing I've done right this season <laughs> is go 0-12 on CalPix. This one, I think, was like the hardest one prior to the week, but like I stuck to my guns. And now I'm actually not sure if it's I was picking them correctly or like I was deciding with some like witchy magic on the side over here unknowingly. I think this is worthy of praise because as we all know, going 0 and 12 is harder than going 12 and 0 because you have to know all the right answers and then be strong enough to pick the other way. And I I did that and none of you guys did that and none of you guys went 12 and 0 on any teams. So, it's not like anyone was competing with me here. I think it was impressive. The people of Twitter think it was impressive, and that's what matters to me. When when did you decide to go 0-12? What led to that decision? Surely you decided this before the season, and it was every week you chose, hey. I will go 0-12, and not after four straight losses. You decided, <laughs> maybe I should just pivot. <laughs> I mean... I think it's fun and exciting. And maybe I just picked up on the pattern, Greg. Maybe I just have really good pattern recognition skills. And I saw that no matter what I do, it was going to be the opposite so of what I chose. So it wasn't even impressive then. And I was like, <laughs> I think it's impressive because I'm a witch. The, the question I think everyone wants to know, Cal gets to six and six, earns bowl eligibility. Avery, are you willing to risk your moonshot? <laughs> To extend this to a 13th game. Hmm. A little double or nothing action, well, huh? Double or nothing. The hard, thing, <laughs> the hard thing about this is I don't know who they're playing. I think you got to choose before you know. It's the LA, it's the LA <laughs> Bowl. They're going to win or oh, lose. Oh, no, you don't have to the choose LA if they're going to win. You It'll just have to choose some. if you're going to do it before, before <laughs> you know. Mm. What is in it for me? 
you got what you got the rules? What if we decide on double or nothing? Because currently, currently you are two points behind Carlos. I don't. Oh fuck! After, really? After calculation, after the twenty-four point swing, <laughs> you are still two <laughs> points. Still behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then yeah, yeah. If it's double or nothing, and if I get this right, I win the stupid mess Does it points need to thing. Be double or nothing yeah. to catch up to Carlos, really? Jesus Christ! Fine, make it double or nothing. But, but you lose. You lose your twenty-four points if you get this one. Yeah, wrong. you don't get the twelve. But you get another twenty-four if you get it right. Then yeah. I want to win. What is the point of any of this? Okay. Anyone? Does anyone? A serious person have more thoughts on Cal? Please. Yes. Anyone? Yes, I have fucking thoughts on Cal. I Let's am go, a golden Greg. god. I called this three weeks ago. All right, what happened? We did Pac-12 stocks. Who was the cheapest stock? Uh, Cal was among them with ASU and possibly Colorado. Um, Stanford was down there too, I think. that's the one. Um, And I said, I will buy a little Oregon because I think their stocks will be higher, and their stocks are higher. And then I said, I will put the rest of my stock into these cheap Cal shares. Who else did that, though? You put them into ASU shares. No, I put him into Cal. I thought you did one Cal share and the rest ASU. Let me ch- let no, me check. I'm, let me. I'm check. pretty sure I did like one ASU share and like well, a bunch anyway, of Cal and Washington anyway, maybe. I timed Cal Curiosity better than anyone has ever timed it. Uh, I am so on board with this Justin Wilcox led Cal football team. Uh, this is wonderful. This is great. I'm so happy. For them going 3-0 and to finish the season. And I'm also happy for UCLA fans that this is probably what gets Chip Kelly fired. I mean, I don't know how you... If it doesn't, if that's If it doesn't, so I would be calling for Martin German's head. Uh, that is just insane. If it if it does, you need that's to be calling point. for Martin Regardless, Yeah, he should be because fired. Because he should yeah, have been he fired, fired weeks for what's ago. Already happened. He's terrible at his job. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, good job, Cal. Uh, going forward, do I think it's going to be good? No, I think going to the ACC is going to suck, and I would hate it. Uh, but really bad. I'm happy now because it was good for me. That's the best thing about Cal curiosity is, like, no matter what Cal does in the future, it doesn't affect us <laughs> because we just got to exactly. enjoy My the Cal present. curiosity ends right now. I want to be clear. <laughs> well, even if, you, even if you stay Cal curious, it doesn't even matter if they lose because it will have been funny. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's about the joy in the journey, and I I think your timing was really good, Greg. But I will say I was resilient were, and I kept were. mining and I reached the, reach treasure, the treasure. So I I think listen just okay. Go Matt. Go Matt. Just just like any other religion, if you're gonna follow Oski anywhere, you're gonna have ups and downs, and and you I've only had ups. You need to be there for the life. You need to be there for the genocide. Okay, <laughs> nope. so you I'm need out. To be- <laughs> I think we need to journey back to the preseason <laughs> in which one brave soul talked about No, you gave up. You gave in, up. In the, the No Truck Stops preseason magazine, I wrote, is Cal a Pac-12 title contender? Certainly not. <laughs> Certainly not. But if Sam Jackson, I was wrong on the quarterback, <laughs> if Sam Jackson delivers on the hype, they could sneakily make a bowl and possibly become the best of the conference's bottom six, both of which they are, <laughs> albeit 
albeit it is Fernando Mendoza and not Sam Jackson, <laughs> but they are probably the seventh best team in the Pac-12 after Saturday, and they will be going to a bowl game. So, I won't even blame you about the Sam Jackson thing because nobody knew what <laughs> Justin Wilcox was hiding up his sleeve with Fernando Mendoza. That is still the funniest thing that's happened this Pac-12 season for me is all of a sudden they're just being the secret third quarterback that is so much better than the other options that we didn't know about. So funny. <laughs> Did you look up the stocks, Reed? Yes. Uh, it turns out that actually all of you, Avery has five Cal shares and Greg and Matt each have 10 Cal, Cal shares. Matt? Ma- I Let's thought Matt bought 10 ASU Cal. shares. Yeah, I could have sworn Matt bought ASU. Said Cal. This is know, a typo. Check, Matt absolutely check read, the re, tapes. read wrote down cow. <laughs> I'll go listen. I'll go listen <laughs> back. I'll do, an invest- Sorry. I'll do an investigation. Well, does oh. Matt does Matt have any ASU I, shares in there? No. Okay, so it's a typo yeah. then. Oh, no, he not. does, actually. He does. He oh. does. He has twenty ASU shares and ten cow okay, shares. Okay, so this probably happens. Oh. Yeah. Are we doing the stock market next week? Yes. Okay. Although this does feel like a typo. Hmm. Okay. Your I'll listen back like and I'll let you know. Your entire life is a typo. Okay. Okay. That's enough out of All you, right. Matt. The mute button. Um, okay. We're going to get to Chip Kelly talk after the break. But quickly, I think we should take a moment to commemorate UCLA 10 and 2 floor, um, 11 and 1. <laughs> DTR is a more of a question mark than Dante Moore. <laughs> oh my god it is it is truly a shame that we do not have carlos here he is currently uh his mentions are getting absolutely flooded with cal fans i've seen multiple tweets with triple digit likes from cal fans cal twitter uh, saying to flood Equity Bruins mentions that he wished upon the downfall of their program. Oh, my God. I mean, what what do we make of this mess? We're going to talk about Chip and his future after the break, but, like, it was this really uh, – I mean, how disappointing was this UCLA season, I guess, Matt? Well, my – my main takeaway here is is sadder absolute ruining of a quarterback. Utah with Nate Johnson or UCLA with Dante UCLA Moore. with Dante, Dante Moore, Moore, obviously. Oh, easy. Okay. Well, you guys aren't emotionally invested like me. Um. I think Dante Moore I think Dante Moore could play at so many programs and immediately be like a tier Ooh, one quarterback. I, here's the thing. I don't here's know the anymore because this kid isn't moving. Exactly. He goes down easier than think, any quarterback I've ever seen. If he gets like breathed on, he it's a sack. It's insane. But there was all I mean, he was he he took like a three step short drop and then just like was completely flat footed. Like his knees weren't even bent and he just stood there for two seconds and then got walked. Yeah, like I I he looks completely and entirely broken. And he did not he was not happened. doing that before the Utah game, you know? Like he mm-hmm. looked like a competent quarterback in every way. Uh, there were some mistakes, but overall we were very positive. And then the Utah game happened, and he learned this offensive line wants me dead. And suddenly he just he lost all ability to run from pressure to deal with pressure. He just was like, "Oh, they're coming! I'm just gonna get down onto the ground so they don't hurt me." And uh, that seems to be what where he's been 
for the rest of the season. I understand why the switch to Garbers happened. Honestly, was probably the right decision. Did, what? what? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what was that? I thought we were continuing there. Yeah, I mean, when you can switch to Garbers and lock up a 7-5 and five season... <laughs> Why would you not do that? That this is such a monumental success for the UCLA well, program. You just to climb to this height. <laughs> the more you play Dante Moore, the more you ruin him behind that offensive line. <laughs> well, I don't know when. I mean, if that's the case, which I I agree is true. Um, I mean, how does Dante Moore stay at UCLA? There's no path here. He can't get better by playing. <laughs> if he just sits, then that's, like what? That's a, a great point. It's one of those you just have to charge him up by sitting him, put him in the game in small spurts. Don't let him deteriorate too much while he's out there. <laughs> the only reconciliation for this is that he's getting paid so much money. So I. <laughs> I'm happy for him on that front. I'm glad he's getting all this money at the very least. I just can't believe UCLA like finally got serious in one recruiting battle, got the five-star QB, and this is what they're doing with him. It's like, <laughs> it's just, it's really gross. That we could have had, uh, oh my God, I don't even, I, I've spoken my piece on Dante Moore already. Does anyone else have any non-Chip Kelly uh, UCLA thoughts? Defense good. I don't, I don't it's know. gonna be rough in the Big <laughs> Defense Ten. Defense is not that good. It's it's actually not that good. Um, it's like, I, I mean, it's it's not the elite top five defense that we all thought it was against all. The I just good- am not sure who's the best defense in this conference anymore. So, yeah, that's very fair. Um, but it's not <laughs> far and away UCLA. You can't give up twenty six offensive points. To fucking Justin Wilcox and have me stamp you as yes, you far can and away the best when your defense. quarterback is throwing an interception every other pass. You absolutely can give up that many points. They gave up thirty six to Oregon State too. Well, I guess one was a pick six, but like they <laughs> they have not been dominant against good offenses. And yes, they haven't played. Easy. Or, they haven't played Oregon and Washington even. Because it's super easy to stay motivated on defense when your offense is completely in Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm with Matt there. I, I agree. I don't think they're far and away the best defense. But I think you can give – there are passes for the bad games, and I would blame that on on the offense being just absolutely dog shit. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, that does it for our game recaps. We'll take a quick break and then get to the rest of the slate on the other side. Homefieldapparel.com, your home for all of your vintage collegiate apparel needs. It is officially hoodie season, and the super soft hoodies and crewnecks at Homefield are by far the highest quality, best-looking hoodie season companions on the market. And to make sure that you remain adequately cozy through the season, Homefield is offering a 20% off the entire site Black Friday sale with the code Black Friday. Valid from November 18th through November 27th. All Pac-12 schools except Oregon and Stanford have gorgeous collections. The Beavlet collection is my personal favorite. And if you're just looking to troll your favorite Oregon fan, they also have a great UCI shirt that is one of their best sellers. 
Make sure to get your orders in early as items are subject to sell out, and this is the biggest discount Homefield offers all year. Once again, that is code Black Friday, all one word, for 20% off the entire site from November 18th through the 27th at homefieldapparel.com. Many thanks to the good brand for fulfilling our holiday consumerism buckets. Yes, it is the last day of Black Friday uh, for the sale for Homefield. So that is a little treat for those of us joining us live on YouTube. Go get those orders in today. I have on my super soft Oski uh, shirt here. You can see it. Uh, anyone else wearing some Homefield gear today? It's very nice purple UW shirt. I'm wearing a Washington State pullover. I'm all Ralphied up. Let's go. Actually, this hat you have might Arizona be hat this Arizona hat <laughs> might be the best thing in the entire Pac-12. Class. I like nice it. Hat. This it's thing a good is shape. so yeah. sweet. Um, Matt Avery, your shirts are great. That's and that's all the good shirts on this podcast. <laughs> what are we? What are we wearing on Friday? I've got an Oregon shirt that I'll be wearing underneath a UW hoodie, and every time Oregon scores, the hoodie comes off. Every time Washington scores, the hoodie goes back on. <laughs> uh, Was you shirt, Oregon State hoodie, Arizona hat. Going to try to see how many obsessed tweets we can generate. Yeah, I. that's my goal. Is I would really love – I'm going to wear Washington State shirt and an Oregon State hat. I would really love – to be posted on Twitter from like a Washington fan or an Oregon fan with like just <laughs> oh they're so obsessed with us. My, That's my goal. Might wear Utah. I'm shorts gonna wear too. Colorado shorts or maybe Utah shorts. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, I will be wearing my. <laughs> what are you wearing, Reed? Gear, uh, <laughs> underneath my custom Bucky Irving jersey, of course. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that he didn't get any money for, by the way. <laughs> Reed hates players getting true. money. Reed hates NIL. Okay, well, this is enough, true. enough with the fashion content, I think. Let's get to the rest of the slate. Rapid fire. On Saturday morning, Colorado and Utah faced off in an incredibly ugly game. Utah's fifth-string quarterback, Luke Batari, um, I think that's how you say that. Helped <laughs> was helped Badari, by Badari. 268 on the ground and guided the Moose to a 23-17 win. And still, Utah fans were melting down all over Twitter. Why, Matt? I don't know. Gre- I don't block those people. They're the worst. Greg, what do you think about Utah, Utah fans online are terrible. Uh, I was disappointed we passed so many times. Uh, Utah fans wanted more passing. I wanted zero passes. When I looked at the box score and we were like basically a quarter in with no passes, I was so excited. Uh, <sighs> Needed an yeah, IV. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful, but oh well, they started passing, and so that's Avery, why Colorado started thoughts. scoring. I just don't want to see shit from Utah fans about how Luke Botari is like the second coming of Jesus Christ. That was not what I'm really I was tired seeing of on that Twitter. I was seeing people, uh, you know, calling for Morgan Scally's head. Valid, not for this reason, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. I- <laughs> yeah, the the Utah fans just love to like cling to a mid player and make it their whole personality by like proclaiming themselves as the president yeah. of their fan club, and I hate that <laughs> shit. Okay, but Nate Rich, he's a badass. Okay. 
<laughs> it's not real until you I just change your Twitter right? name and profile pic to like Nate Ritchie photoshopped into a religious scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, that's reserved I, I for Tyler. Utah. I'm you. less down on this season than a lot of Utah <clears throat> fans are. I think it's pretty understandable given the co- quarterback situation, uh, even though that could have been handled better. Whatever. Excited for next year, but um, go rewatch your Pac-12 t- titles. You know, who gives a shit? You and Aiden Ford. What, what about having all of your quarterbacks well, dying? Yeah, I mean, been this game exactly. could have been handled better. I think they could have gotten a transfer when they knew that Cam Rising had uh, died, pretty much. Didn't know Brandon Rose was going to lose his liver, though. Didn't, yeah, didn't know Brandon Rose <laughs> yeah, was going to die. Yeah. yeah, you need more uh, than one, though. That's the thing. It's like, well, yeah, but it, you, you assume but, you're fine if you have four guys, you know, and then the top two go down, and obviously, yeah, it's the Nate be bad Johnson development arc wasn't great either. Uh, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Plummet the what Nate arc? development nosedive. <laughs> what, um, what development existed? <laughs> this also spelled an end to God, Colorado's so four and eight season. Bowl, bowl eligible buffs. I we want to talk about you. this. Any parting thoughts on Dion's first year in Boulder? Matt, I guess we'll go to you. Matt, you said you, they were going to go three <laughs> and nine. Shut the fuck up. Direct quote. One game off. Matt, TCU is obviously going to go bowling. TCU is a great team. Finished five and seven. Colorado does not beat a single team that is bowl eligible. Three of the teams that they beat finished five and seven, one game off of bowl eligibility. The other win that they got was Arizona State. I, where is Carlos? <laughs> Carlos is running from the accountability right now. This is what this is, and I'm mad about it. This Literally is such a shame ran that across the world. Here. Greg, thoughts on Colorado? Oh, Arizona. <laughs> <clears throat> I think, I think with the Warren Sapp. Seemingly, he, him seemingly being hired by uh, Colorado. I'm over Dion in Colorado. I'm ready for that to be over. I'm sick of it. It's it's boring at this point. It's exhausting, and uh, it's not. The on-field product has been pretty bad. I think his decisions mid-season have been pretty fucking bad. Uh, the offensive coordinator thing was pretty concerning. I'd be Avery? concerned if I was a Colorado fan. Um, I had some sure, other yeah, thoughts Cal on Cal that I forgot to give. Can I add those in here? Yeah. Cal has every team that Cal lost to this season besides Auburn was ranked <laughs> at the time that Cal lost. Auburn and Auburn more on Alabama, Alabama than they did on Cal. <laughs> and so, just like our friend Rex says, I believe the that the committee should rank Cal. Yeah. Back to back to Colorado. And Colorado. I don't know if that case is as strong <laughs> uh, for in Colorado, but I don't know. I'm still interested in the Dion experiment. I don't think he's going to be winning any national Coward. titles in the next three years, uh, as some proclaimed, but I'm excited to see what they are in the Big 12, especially if Shadur stays. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let me be very clear. Successful season. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. Unmitigated success then for Colorado. in the Territorial Cup, Arizona overcame a 7-3 deficit after a truly unhinged scripted drive from Dilly in which ASU literally started tight end Jalen Conyers at quarterback. But uh, Arizona overcame it to notch a dominant 59-23 win led by record-breaking days from Noah Fafita and Tetaroa McMillan. Matt, go with whichever side you want. What was your takeaway from this one? 
Tet McMillan, yet another wide receiver that's higher than Roma Dunze in the Bulletnikov. I don't want to hear it. Um, the I, man, uh, you missed out on seventy to seven, and and I think that that I, I think that Arizona should feel bad about that. Yeah, Arizona should have won by more. I thought it was so fucking funny that Jaden Rashada didn't start because he was late for a meeting, so they started a tight end. That was so funny. <laughs> Kenny Dillingham, I love you so much. Everybody wants Greg. to be Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenny Dillingham remains my favorite quarterback, uh, quarterback coach, uh, and uh, I am very happy that they did not get 70-7 to so that Arizona does not that does not have that to hold over them because fuck Arizona for as long as Jed yeah, Fish is their coach. I hate him. really ugly first half, but it was honestly salvaged by AS- ASU. Um, I'm excited to see what Dilly does going forward. I'm excited to see the continuation of this Arizona-Arizona State rivalry in the Big 12. At least we'll have that to hang on to. Finally, oh, Arizona, Arizona-Utah this time next year. Big probably yeah. probably the Let's favorite right now. Finally, Stanford season ended on the Pac-12 network with a whimper. They lost on the farm 56-23 to Notre Dame in a game where EJ Smith became the first running back to eclipse 100 receiving yards since Christian McCaffrey. Greg, yes. Uh, That can't be real. (laughs) It's real. (laughs) Uh, EJ Smith is super cool. Love him. Stanford was not fun to watch this season. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were a lot better, though, than we expected. I think this is a very, very successful first year for Troy Taylor. Good on him for not being Avery? a complete sewer dweller. I mean, my thoughts about this game, the broadcast was just so sad. It was Yogi and Ted on the call. And they're just like going back through their favorite moments in the Pac-12 and thanking everyone in the crew. And I was crying and it was really emotional. I didn't really watch much of the game. I was just sad about the Pac-12. Yeah, neither did they. They, So many, so so many times they went into like (laughs) into blowout mode. Yeah, yeah, I I thought they did a really good uh, job. Leave Stanford behind with a recognition of my favorite fact about the Stanford team, uh, and they showcased it again on Saturday. Stanford rushed the ball 31 times. Does anyone have a guess how many of those rushes came from players listed as quarterbacks? 17. 26. 26. No idea. 26 of 31 carries for Stanford came from quarterbacks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how many of them were direct snap versus handoff? How many oh of the quarterbacks were handed oh the ball? Oh my god, I have no idea. Um, what what uh, awesome co- coaching job from Troy Taylor? Uh, my favorite three and nineteen to watch this year by far. I hate him. God, I hate him. <laughs> made me made me want to honestly keep watching Stanford football. Dare I say in the ACC? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. No thanks. Yikes. 0 and 7 at home. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's really bad because they lost yeah. to Sac State. They could have been 4 and 8 if they <laughs> won that game. Wow. Anyways, let's move on to Yuck. take a truck stop and talk some Pac 12 coaching carousel. In case you missed it, we talked about the Jonathan Smith news at the top of the show, but we'd be remiss not to check in on two other Pac 12 coaching stories at this time of year. 
first, after saving his job versus USC last week, saving in uh, air quotes there, Chip Kelly got embarrassed by Cal in the Rose Bowl on Saturday. Avery, is this the last we've seen of Chip Kelly at UCLA? It should be. I, I think it would be ridiculous to keep him on. I think keeping him on because of the accomplishment of beating up like a bad USC team is stupid and they shouldn't do that. It's like a very good opportunity to go in with a new head coach in a new conference. Like if you're not going to fire him now, you're just going to fire him next year. Yeah, they I don't, definitely should. What's fire the point? Him. I'd say that's where I'm at. I don't think they will. I mean, Martin Jarman has been, he's been pretty firm on this. And also will either. Uh, given that, I don't think that there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes work on a coaching search for UCLA. And to fire a coach less than a month before the early signing period with absolutely no contingency plan is a recipe for disaster. I mean, you're just sinking an entire class of talent. That said, it might be worth it because if you turn another guy, like those players are probably going to leave anyways when you inevitably have to fire Chip probably after next season. Greg, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if UCLA had a dire- uh, athletic director who was competent, um, I would say he will be fired because he should be fired. But they have Martin Jarmont instead, and so they won't fire him because Martin Jarmont is incompetent. He sucks. He's a terrible athletic director. And, uh, yeah, that's that's tough for them. I'd be sad if I was a UCLA fan. I've seen a lot of those tweets from UCLA fans saying, you know, tagging the athletic department and saying – if Chip Kelly is still here next year, don't bother calling me to renew my tickets because I'm not fucking going to. Uh, <laughs> it is t- tough scenes, tough scenes at UCLA. He should be fired. He Matt, be where fired. are you at Sad. with the Chip Kelly era? To, to, if you are going to make coaching decisions off of one game and you are going to fire him before the USC game and now you keep him after the USC game, to then turn around and fire him off of the off of the cow game is is far more damning than anything I would have seen. Like if if they now fire him after supposedly making the decision to keep him after the USC game, that to me is far more concerning than anything that keeping Chip Kelly around would would concern me on. So I am I, I, if if it's me, I'm keeping Chip Kelly at this point. Uh, I very much would have gotten rid of him and, and brought Jonathan Smith in, but I just don't know who you bring in at this point. Um, going into the Big Ten next year, I, I don't think that very many people know exactly what this job is. And I just, yeah, like you talk about not a lot of behind-the-scenes work going on and everything like that. I I think it would be an insane move to hire him at this point. It's to tough, I think, between fire Truly him now insane. and don't fire him now, but I think we all feel the same way that, you should probably fire him before the USC game. Launch the coaching search. Yeah, right. Should have probably fired him in 2021. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, well, gun to your head though. Each person, rapid fire. Like, is Chip Kelly the coach at UCLA next year? Avery, Greg, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Is he gonna retire? No fucking way. See, that's that's what I would see is if you were talking. It would be really funny. <laughs> yeah, not by UC. <laughs> Gun to my head, UCLA is not forcing him out. But Yeah, I think he'll uh, be I around mean, next 60, year 40. as well. I'll say yes. Uh, next up, in a story that 
truly could only happen in college football. Texas A&M is once again in the coaching market after the short-lived Mark Stoops tenure. This one could really change by the minute. Uh, so, Matt, I'll ask you more generally, uh, will any other Pac-12 coaches not be at their current jobs to sec- start next season? Anyone you're looking at for the A&M job, maybe? Uh, I mean, you can mention can count coordinators, coordinators if you too? want. That's not the question, but... Okay, wow. I think Scally might might be gone. Really? Um, which I would that's some wishful be, thinking from you, Matt. It's called putting it <laughs> out a head universe. coaching job. Manifesting um, to a head coaching job. Huh? Okay, because yeah, he's not. So. I don't think he's taking a coordinator job and leaving Utah. No, this I is just, to the Texas A and M job, right? Is no, that what Winningham you said? is going to the Texas A and M job. That's 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 what was floated. <laughs> Um, no, I think, I think Whittingham might be around for a little bit longer than Scally wants to stick around for. And like Indiana just opened Wait, and Indiana um, paid the buyout. What? Yeah. Oh, Indiana wow. just opened like while we've been recording. Who else just opened? I saw another one just opened. So I, I think that there's quite a few of those lower tier P2 jobs that are going to be open this year. And I think that Scally will be sought after. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think fish, is uh, we've heard a lot about fish going to Texas A&M. Um, I think, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I guess I, I think that fish staying has a really direct route to the playoff, but go get that bio money, baby. Like <laughs> always get that bio money if you can get it. So um, I will say yes, at least one high level coordinator Houston and, and one Utah head coach opened, is gone uh, for the record. Well, we've just while we've been recording. So yeah. Yeah. Greg, what do you think? Any yeah. other PAC 12 coaches gone after this year? I think Scally's an interesting one. I think he'd be a great fit for the Houston job. Don't think they'll hire him, but I think it would be a great mm-hmm. fit. Um, I can't think of anybody that I think will be gone. Jonathan Smith was the obvious one. Uh, Jake Dickert, yeah. if he was more successful, but he has not been successful enough that he's going to be hired anywhere else. So uh, I think most most teams are going to stay in Avery, what do you at. think? The the smoke about the Texas A and M job is weird because yeah. isn't hasn't Jed Fish been like one of the na- has, main yeah. names in that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to think from all of that. That's pretty fucking funny, but I mean, I hope he goes to Texas A and M because I fucking hate Jed Fish. <laughs> like that That's would be dream. really great because I'd feel better about cheering for Arizona. I I fucking hate Jed Fish. I hope he goes to Texas A and M and has a terrible time there. Um, but yeah, I think the obvious one was Jonathan Smith. I hope Morgan Scally leaves Utah because it would be so much easier yeah, for me no, to like no Utah Fafita if that happened. And McMillan. That is an NIL offer, a bag I would be happy to drop. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get tech. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Even um, if you're not going to play. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where to go on this, honestly. Um, I mean, I think for the A&M job specifically, it seems like Mike Elko at Duke is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. But I think Fish is next up um i thought elko pulled himself not that i saw but i don't know or at least Um, told duke he was pulling i saw i mean stoops is out and then i think well stoops is out oh yeah for sure that was a revolt i think fish (laughs) i think i mean people have said DeBoer. i don't really think that's gonna happen um but 
No, that just seems like Justin Hopkins that, blowing stupid. smoke because yeah, that's, that's what he did with DJ Uke yeah, because he's a freak. Elsewhere, I don't know. Dickert is the name that feels the most unstable, but I don't think he's going to get a better offer. Um, so I think we're probably... I think we're yeah. probably staying pat. I don't think that there's a lot of better coaches that are going to get better job offers this cycle. Fish, if he gets A&M, would kind of be the main one that makes sense. Oh. <sighs> what about for, Ohio for State? DeBoer, probably? <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah, Ohio State, Michigan Yay. probably is going to go, go in-house if it opens um, with Sharon Moore. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's so, no way you can hire I don't somebody know. else at we'll this see. point. Uh, I don't know. Any other coaching thoughts? No. Okay. So it sounds like we think that all these coaches will be back next year, uh, except for Oregon State, obviously. That wraps it up. Let's get to our final game predictions. Greg, how about a pick and party update? Oh, shit. Uh, pick and party update. Let's see. Can you give me one second and do points yes. first? Because I Matt, don't have it pulled up. How do, you, do you have standings? Why are we going out of order? This is gross. Uh, Greg, undefeated yes. on the week. Picked every work, game Greg. correctly this week. Um, so, you know, far ahead of me now. Uh, Avery, 24-point swing. Goes 0-12 on Cal. Gets 12. Shoots the moon. Gets her 12 points, gets a 12-point penalty on everyone else, which has Carlos at 69 points. Very nice. nice. Avery at 67, Reed at 60, Greg at 56, and myself at Ooh. 51. That's embarrassing that I had a 24-point <laughs> swing and I'm not in the lead. Still down by two. Okay, really Greg, are you, are you ready now? Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. The best was at USU, the right blue. Uh, that is a Twitter account that has me blocked, actually, because uh, <laughs> I make fun of Utah State a lot. Don't know why they Check were doing out. the pick party, but they went yeah. five for six, so good on them. Uh, have you seen the Utah State season this year? The worst was Erica and Cam. They both went one for, sec- uh, one for six. We had one correct bold prediction, which was Erica saying ASU brings out Rashada. This prediction was made before the news that uh, Rashada was going to be back. So I think it counts. And we still have one potential with ah, – nah, not really potential with uh, a Chip Kelly tarmac. Uh, yeah. Do you, have, do you have overall standings by chance? Where? Okay. Uh, they have not been updated for okay. several weeks, so I do not. We'll get that next week, I guess. Uh, yeah. All right, just one game to pick. 5 p.m. on Friday night in Las Vegas. The conclusion to the Pac-12. Oregon and Washington will face off in a much-anticipated rematch. The Ducks are eight and a half point favorites. Matt, who wins? Who covers? Phoenix is having fun. He's he's doing so well in this new offense. Would not be surprised if he secures himself the Heisman uh, on Friday in Allegiant Stadium. I, I think Oregon by a lot. I, I I really think Oregon by a lot. Unless, you know, Dan Lanning does fuckery and leaves three scores on the field. Avery? Let's see. I have no reason to go against 13 weeks of Washington 
winning. So I'm going to pick Washington. If they win, it's going to be close. It's going to be really close. But they've won 12 times, and at this point, I can't even argue with it. Like, Spicy. Just win. Greg, where are you at? <laughs> uh, with a healthy Penix, I'd take Oregon to win, UW to cover. I don't think Penix is healthy, so I'm going to take, like Matt, Oregon to win and cover. I think that Lanning is going to try and embarrass them. Yeah, I'm picking Oregon to nobody's surprise. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about it. We'll talk about it more on Patreon. I hope that people go check that out because I will have some thoughts there. Uh, I'm still kind of coping. I'm anxious about this game, certainly. I think Oregon probably either wins and covers or Washington wins close. Uh, That's what I would predict right now. I think that the Ducks will pull away in the end if they do win. Um, But I think it's going to be close. I think it's a whatever 64 to game do you do you at least do you at least agree with me that there is some sort of a little bit of like a jury is still out on dan lanning on this game like is this a is this a critical yeah i think it's critical i mean i don't think dan lanning dan lanning has an extremely cold seat obviously no one's thinking about firing him but i think the question of like okay is this really a guy who could be a top five coach in the country or it does he have some real issues he needs to work work out is going to be determined on friday uh definitely yeah i think that's fair any parting thoughts on uh this game i'm really excited to be there it's going to be a lot of fun i have some of my greatest ever memories at allegiant stadium so uh, (laughs) i'm super excited to be back really hope that these two teams give us a classic yeah, if you see us, come say hi. Don't harass us or attack us, though, please. I'd prefer that. You can harass funny, Carlos yeah. or attack Carlos. That's All fine. right. That's all we got. We hope you enjoyed that. Let's get out of here. We are back on YouTube on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific to talk some Pac-12 hoops. If you want more football content, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We'll drop our weekly preview episode late Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And, of course, tune in next week for a recap of the entire Pac-12 season. We've got some fun games and awards to share with you then. For now, that's Avery. That's Matt. That's Greg. I'm Reed. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We'll see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Thank you, Ted and Yogi. (laughs) 